number of times. He's going to be utilized a lot in this offense in year one. He's going to bring a pretty electric element to the passing and running game for this team. He's going to be one of those top players. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Fries, director of published content here at broadwaysportsmedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. And you can follow me on Twitter at Easton Fries. I'm joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on Twitter at JT underscore Runkey. JT, how we doing? I'm good. Um, before we get the show on the way, yes, yes, I've been gone. I will address the Mets are bad allegations. <laughs> allegations. Once for all. Uh, on the show right now, as who's alleging it? These are facts, baby. The Mets are bad at bad at baseball. We're They're thirty. Bad. We're thirty seconds into the episode, and we're already getting uh, comments about 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 the Mets. Yeah, they're bad guys. I I, I know. I. I I th- thank you. I, I love every. Have, have you person. have you considered spending more money? Have you consider considered trying to buy more players that are good uh, uh yes and that is that'll come in due time when we trade for Shohei Otani at the deadline right where do, but, where do the Mets slot in by the way payroll wise R- right above the A's right below like the Tigers where exactly yeah, is yeah that? exactly right uh-huh. there um or do uh, they I, spend 75 million dollars more than any other franchise in baseball um the they do. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and defend them. I'm going to agree with you. They're bad. I just, but it's good to be back um, on the We're show. Have you back. I, yeah. I, I've, I've been lurking in the shadows, prepping for our content schedule for the, uh, for the summer, but your, your, your Mets jeers and, and um, your attacks on my fandom. Don't go unnoticed. Say, yeah. So. Bold, bold-faced attacks. May, listen, maybe we just make an entire offseason of following the Mets on this show and making fun of you the whole time. <laughs> it, I it, could certainly do it that. It sounds like that's already what's happening. So far it is. Well, welcome into the show, everybody. If you're joining us live, appreciate you being here. Real quick, do us a favor. Retweet, repost, like, wherever you're watching this on Facebook, Twitter, um, not on Instagram, uh, on, on YouTube. Make sure to send this to a friend or some family, copy the link, you know, do whatever you can do to share this show. We want to get as many folks in here as possible and then make sure to go over, as you can see on our beautiful banner right below. If you want to join the conversation, go over to YouTube, find the live stream on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. You'll find this live stream and in the comment section of that YouTube video, that is where you communicate with us and we can see your comments. And we would love to hear any questions, comments, uh, Jets mirrors, Jets smear Mets jeers I, sw- I swapped the there you yeah. go uh Mets jeers um please pour those right in like our our, our guy D good here just pouring gasoline onto the dumpster fire that is the Mets fan base yes absolutely and, and a vining is a Nash a Nats fan so he knows the feeling um of not winning a lot of ba- uh, baseball games um we got a lot to talk about today, JT, kind of on a time crunch. I am personally, but we're going to get a good 40 minutes or so in here. And we're going to talk about all that I saw and heard at OTA's part three electric boogaloo this past Wednesday. We were there for the third and final media available OTA's practice for the Titans. Also going to touch on the latest on DeAndre Hopkins and the saga that is where will D hop land? Is it the Patriots? Is it the Titans? Will there be a third contender? But before we get into all of that, today's episode is sponsored JT. Today's show is brought to you by Riverone Leatherworks, which is a company that is uh, near and dear to the Hot Read Podcast's 
heart. Riverone Leatherworks is a handmade and hand-stitched custom leather goods maker from Edmond, Oklahoma. He specializes in custom pieces where you can choose as much about the pieces you want, including your choice in leather, stitching color, and overall design. Check out his work and follow him on Instagram at Riverone Leatherworks. And that is like river, like the word river, O-N-E, underscore Leatherworks. You can follow him on Instagram. That's where you can get custom leather goods. Um handmade for you like i have right here he was so kind and by the way folks that that follow this show you may be familiar with this guy and you've you don't know if you're familiar on twitter with at okc underscore titan as as we are and he's a, a big fan of the show and we appreciate his love and support all the time um that's who this is it's it's our guy wyatt out in oklahoma um Rivaron, sorry, I, I miss I'm misspelling it. He's correcting me in the in the comments. Rivaron, so it's like river, but an A instead of an E. R I V A R O N E. It's Rivaron Leatherworks. Thank you. Um, and and so if you're familiar with him, that's who it is. It's Wyatt out in Oklahoma making these custom leather goods. He sent me this uh, passport case that I customized. Went with a bear leather. Got some Titans blue stitching right here. Some Titans red stitching on the uh, on the binding on the inside. You can see. Got pockets in here. Sent a couple of business cards. If you want to see baby Easton in my passport, that's a couple years old. There you go. There's I think junior year of high school Easton. Um, so yeah, these are these are all. And then you got a keychain as well, JT, right? I did. I didn't even order one, but it just showed up on my door. So I'm a huge oh. fan of of this company and free stuff. So yeah, th this passport case. Right he here. said it's natural American cowhide. The go. key fobs he sent us are Wicket and Craig Bridal leather, all hand cut all hand stitched um so you can you can go and follow him on instagram i think also let me make sure i think you can also hit up this uh email address at riverone leather riverone leatherworks at gmail.com if you want anything from passport cases to i know that he said he makes some awesome glasses cases It'd be a really nice touch if you got a pair of ray-bans or some nice glasses that you want to keep from getting dented or scratched or bent throw them in there and you can get them in any leather color with any custom hand stitching that you want really really fine craftsmanship here and we appreciate Wyatt and all that he's doing for us and, and thanks for the the stuff man had to shout him out so riverone leatherworks go and check them out today's show is brought to you by riverone leatherworks all right let's get into the warm-up today jt and it's going to be a little deandre hopkins news talk we found out today um from a, a report that th this report may be a, a day or two old at this point but we we got confirmation on it today by buck rising here in the nashville media market that DeAndre Hopkins did in fact leave Nashville with a financial offer on the table. The Titans in their discussions with him this past weekend, when he was in town, when he met with the team, they gave him a contract offer and he left town with that in his back pocket to mull over as he heads up to new England, where he's been on his visit. I think still currently is on his visit right now. And um, there's been a number of reports along those lines with new England that both sides are, uh, reportedly optimistic that they can reach an agreement. Let me talk to the reports today about uh, DeAndre Hopkins leaving Nashville with a financial agreement. That's that's the primary gist of my warm-up here. Not to throw cold water on these reports of, of leaving Nashville with a contract offer with, the with a financial offer on the table, but isn't it kind of like a duh moment? Like, of course he did. I, I, it's, it's good to have it confirmed for sure. I'm glad the work was done. I'm glad the work was done well. So shout out to pro football talk and then buck rising who confirmed that report. 
Um, but the Titans have very obviously had the hots for DeAndre Hopkins for a week or more now. Like it, it, it seems that it's pretty obvious to me, at least JT, that they didn't pull out all the stops that they did for his long weekend visit just to not give him some kind of offer to not talk numbers. It feels pretty obvious um, that they would have had a contract discussion of some sort and that the Titans would have let him know where they were sitting, what they were thinking. I've certainly been making that assumption. I'm guessing you've been making that assumption. And I think others should be making that assumption. So I'm not throwing cold water on the report. It's good to have that confirmed. I am, however, throwing a little bit of cold water on anybody getting excessively excited um, by this report because you should have already been assuming that they talked numbers this past weekend. So the Patriots are optimistic that they could get things done with DeAndre Hopkins. It seems that the Titans, too, are optimistic that they could get something done with DeAndre Hopkins. JT, do you have any new thoughts on the DeAndre Hopkins saga? Do you have any lean as to where you think he might end up? Do you think that a third contender in the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes may throw their hat into the ring at this point in the conversation? It feels like, it feels kind of like, like if there was a third contender, we would have heard about it right now. I know there's, I know there's been rumblings that the, that Casey kind of offered a low balled him a little bit for an offer that he, that he did uh, declined. Um, But besides that, it really seems like it's come down to the Titans and the Patriots. I feel like he would have another visit already planned afterwards, unless he's just taking this little by little and he's doing a couple at a time and just taking some time off and then uh, thinking about it and waiting for some other suitors. But like, it, it, it seems like he was a very hot commodity the second he was released and it's kind of cooled down. And now we're at the point where the real suitor showed up, which seems to only be two. So yeah, um, I think it'll be interesting maybe towards the end of this weekend uh, after, after this visit, if, if, if another one does pop up and if not, it here comes it, it's it's a two horse race and it's gonna it's gonna heat up eventually here yeah my, um, my I, only additional thought on this is is yeah it feels too i'm with you it feels like it's too late for a third team to suddenly appear but also i'm of the mind that i don't expect him to sign with anybody until mid-july so i don't think it's actually too late if a team decides that they want in um i don't know would you i'd be surprised if he signs in the month of june with anybody I would too. Um, but like you said, if he didn't in fact leave with a, with a contract offer from here, I'm would, if, if it goes well in new England, I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves one there. Um, those offers are on the table. They're pretty enticing. Um, you can only wait around forever. Um, yep. And it might just become time that he wants to get in with his new team a little bit early and start off uh, training camp on a good note. So we'll have to see. I do. I am interested to see exactly um, your thoughts on what you think the contract that he was offered actually was like, because I don't think we've talked about this. Like if you were going to give him a contract, like after a visit, like what, what is the offer that you would send him to new England with? Um, I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I would need to sit and look, refresh myself on the to the minute updated details on the Titans um, money situation and also just compare his compare what I would give him to some other receivers uh, on the market. Um, but, but my gut reaction is somewhere in the 10 to $11 million range. Like if they did 
11 million, $11.5 million one year, one year, $11.5 million contract with like eight guaranteed. That would be if they went the one year route where I think he'd be fitting in there. If you went multi-year, if you got a two or three year deal, maybe the AAV bumps up to like 12 or 13. The guaranteed money is, is a little bit lower with some escalators in there that you can, you know, incentive incentives that you can throw in for him to um, get some of that cash. So that's kind of where I'm at the, the, the low end of the double digits spectrum. I think that's the number it's going to take to get him. Ultimately, I think it's in that 10 to $12 million range with um, near $10 million guaranteed will probably be the number, but uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see. I'm sure we'll start to hear rumors and murmurs of what the actual numbers are. All right, let's move on to OTAs part three, Electric Boogaloo. One final time, we were invited, the media, to um, Titans HQ up in North Nashville at St. Thomas Sports Park. On Wednesday of this week, we got to see the players that were there, uh, of which a number of stars were taking the day off because it was the last practice before the NFL summer break for the next five or six weeks until we get into late July and get into training camp. But we did have a, a, a handful of things, JT. I'll be honest, not, not as much to take away from this practice as the uh, first two, and then of course, uh, mandatory mini camp last week, but a couple of key things that I want to focus in on. And so as we've done with the previous two, if you would be so kind as to lead us through each different position group, and uh, I'll give you my thoughts on each. Yeah. Let's start off by, of course, talking about the quarterbacks here. And, uh, the one that sh that shined the brightest yesterday was yep. Malik Willis. Mm -hmm. There were, uh, reports left and right, left and right that Malik Willis had an absolute day yesterday. Yeah, he did, man. It was the best that we'd seen, best that I had seen Malik in any practice it, it, that I can remember in the past two years. Certainly of this offseason, it was his best day with a bullet. He looked good. Solid start to finish early on in the day. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that we had yet another instance of the famous, one, one might say infamous and almighty, um, all, all important, really the most important thing that these quarterbacks do off the field. There's not, there's really nothing else that, that comes close to the net drill, baby. The net game is, is King in uh, May and June. <laughs> and so we got another episode of the Titans, uh, trio of quarterbacks playing the net game early on in practice. Malik started that game four for four. I mean, the quarterback coaches were audibly from across the field going nuts because the dude could not miss ended the game. Uh, I think he, they played two games. He won the first one. I think Ryan Tannehill won the second one, but Malik Willis had a good day to start there. And then from, from there, you know, when we get to the actual, and I'm being facetious about the net game actually mattering, it doesn't, when we get to the actual team period, uh, he looked good as well. He looked, he looks comfortable in some of the individual drills we saw in on clips on Twitter. You can go and see this. There's a number of, of instances where he was working on footwork, pocket management, pocket awareness, keeping his eyes downfield going read to read it was some of the best fundamentals we'd seen from Malik Willis I had seen from Malik Willis at all he looked like a guy that had been working really hard on those things and he, he was looking comfortable really that's the thing that kept coming to my mind is this is the first instance with a number of these things from a footwork standpoint from a pocket management and navigation standpoint from a keeping your eyes downfield and going read to read standpoint all of those things you see good quarterbacks do on a fundamental level it was maybe the first time I can remember seeing him do it in practice and the entire practice, he looked completely comfortable and within himself. And like, he wasn't having to think about 10,000 things at once. He was, he was, it was simplifying for him mentally and physically that was, that was matching. 
got three clips here that I want to share on Malik Willis's day. The first comes from Malik. We caught him coming off the field after practice, and he was asked about what he's been working on and what he's working on improving, and he gives an answer that I think you would expect, JT. Let's play that clip. Working off schedule is something I've probably been good at, but uh, just executing each play and getting in, staying on schedule, doing everything to make sure we're in the right plays, understanding what entails, what comes with that. So, Yes, and that's when you watch him at practice and when you watch him in the games last year, that's the number one thing that I think anybody, the un, even the untrained eye, can see. He is a, he's a talented player and has always been a talented player since college when he's off script. But on script, which is where you want, like you want to reside, there's a reason we have a script is so we can stay on it. Like everybody's on the same page, right? When you're on script, things are going according to plan. When you're off script, it's awesome when you have guys that can excel off script, but they're bailing you out because you got off the script, right? So for him to be able to operate well on script, keep things on script, not go off script early. Um, that that's important, and that's all again these fundamental things that he's been working on hard with with a number of different, you know, his quarterback coach here in Tennessee, Charles London, his private quarterback coach, uh, Sean McAvoy, who is a friend of the show. That's what he's been working on super hard this offseason. And, and one of the primary reasons why early, early on back in February or, or March or whenever, JT, we were talking about, hey, do not count out Malik Willis to make a second year leap and make this quarterback battle be- between he and Will Levis really interesting. This next clip is from Ryan Tannehill, fellow quarterback. We asked him at the podium on Wednesday about Malik Willis's improvement as a player, what he's seen in him, and here's what Ryan Tannehill had to say on his fellow quarterback. We put a lot of work in uh, throughout the offseason. You know, I got, was able to throw with him a few times uh, in the offseason before we started out here and um, you know, saw his growth, saw him pushing himself, and uh, he's only continued that as we've as we- got out here and, and, and played you know, full football in, in OTA. So uh, proud of him and the work he's put in. And it's, it's fun to see a guy uh, grow and it's hard. All right, let's cut that clip. Sorry for the choppiness of that. Not sure what the issue is there, but you got the gist of it. He, he's grown a lot. Ryan Tannehill has seen that growth a lot. Hopefully we've got a number of clips coming up here. So hopefully that was that clip's problem and not an, uh, connectivity issue, but we will move anyways to the third clip here, which um, is kind of the same thing, but from his head coach. And this is the most important of these three Malik clips to me, because when we were sitting there and and we asked um, head coach Mike Vrabel about Malik Willis and what he's seen in him and growth this spring, the first thing he goes to JT is not the actual level of play. I want you to pay attention as we listen to this clip about what the first thing Mike Vrabel mentions about Malik Willis that he has seen improvements on and that he's been glad to see improvements on. Here's his clip. He continued to get better, just his attitude, his demeanor, making little coaching points with them and seeing that immediately translate, him understand the, the reason for saying that. Today was something cool that came up. You know, I moved the ball to the 35-yard line and said it was third and seven. And, and it was Malik, and, and we converted. But following back up on him, I was like, hey, what was the situation? Yeah, let's cut it there. That That, that is an important quote, I think, JT, where he immediately goes to. And the rest of that the rest of that clip that I, that I cut off was him talking about Malik not just doing the right thing situationally on the field 
but understanding this scenario, knowing the down and distance, knowing um, where you are in terms of field goal range, knowing what players are on the field, what package you have and who is who is available, who's most likely to be open, those things when you should and shouldn't be looking to scramble. That's that's what he was talking about and starting to see Malik click with those things mentally of not just doing the right thing on the field again. Um, and not to say it's lucking into it, but like tangibly, tangibly being able to consider all of those things in your mind, time on the clock, down in distance, um, location on the field, um, being within field goal range, knowing the score, all of those things that are important to a coach for a quarterback to understand in the moment and, and be considering and not be like, oh, well, I wasn't even thinking about that. Sorry, coach. Millie's starting to pick up on those things. But the first thing he mentions, JT, is his attitude. And his demeanor, and that's what's important to Mike Vrabel. And we we talked about this back in December on the show when he had that bad game, um, and and ultimately got benched for newcomer Josh Dobbs before the Dallas Thursday night football game in Week 17. We talked about how, hey man, me personally as a reporter, getting to interact with Malik and getting to um, know him a little bit and and seeing him on the field at the game, and then talking to him in the locker room afterwards, I'm way less concerned. With his, with his talent or his level of play because everybody and their mother, ourselves included, pre-draft two years ago, we're talking about how whoever gets Malik Willis, he better be patient. He's a project prospect. He's going to take some time. He needs at least a year, probably two, to ever reach his full potential. So I wasn't all that worried about the level of play, but it was his attitude and his demeanor that did throw up some red flags for us. We talked about it for at least one full episode, how man, this guy, I'm not sure he's got it between the ears, and I'm not sure that he's got it in terms of being a leader of men, being vocal in the locker room, being vocal in the huddle, being kind of the the hard ass you have to be sometimes to be a successful quarterback in the NFL, to be that intense, intense dude that is is a leader of troops out there. I just don't know if that's him based on a pretty extensive experience at this point, talking to him in the locker room and at the podium. There are some concerns there. There's a little bit of Marcus Mariota to him there that was kind of a turnoff. And uh, it, it sounds like, and it seems like, just anecdotally, experiencing him at practice, seeing the interactions and perceiving the relationship between he and his coaches, the way that his head coach talks about him at the podium right here, this guy's attitude and his demeanor are much better shaped today, I think, in terms of what you're looking for in a quarterback than they were previously. Um, before we move off of quarterbacks, I'll just mention Tannehill and Levis Tannehill. The biggest news of the day was that he's got his pilot license. Woohoo. He's a pilot. Now, um, <laughs> uh, we asked him about that. I asked him if he's flying home on his, on his plane. And he laughed. He said, no, I'm flying Southwest. Maybe they'll give me a free flight. Cause I mentioned them. Um, and then Brable came out right after and we said, Hey, you gonna, you gonna get up there with, with Ryan and his plane, Mike. And Mike said, hell no, I've got cars bigger than that plane. Um, he said, I, there's a fat chance I'm getting up there with him. And then Will Levis threw a couple of interceptions yesterday. One was uh, a free play because the defense jumped. He chucked it up deep, ended up getting an interception. But it's a free play. Who cares, right? That's what you have to do. Um, and it was to a receiver that I forget who it was. I don't think they're making the team. So partially the receiver didn't really fight for the ball. And then one was tipped at the line. So two interceptions that were, you know, yes, they're interceptions, but they're, you know, they're they're fluky. Um, they're, they're or understandable or, or more um, more more of a write-off than anything. Let's move on to the next position group, JT. Um, uh, but actually, no, I'm so sorry. Before we do that, let me mention the handful of players that were and weren't there yesterday because they were a number not there, and that's a big part of the reason why we're not talking about um, a ton of dudes that we normally would be. 
Traylon Burks, Derrick Henry, Daniel Brunskill, uh, Racing Math, Nick Westbrook-Akine, Kevin Byer, Jeffrey Simmons, Aziz Al-Shair, Amani Hooker, Tier Tart, Danico Autry, and Sean Murphy Bunting were among the players that were not there at practice yesterday. Veterans, guys that are established starters, especially on the defensive side of the ball, pretty much the entire starting defense was not there yesterday. So um, they were taking a break, taking the last practice day off, as many veterans are wont to do. Two names, however, that were there, that made an appearance. They weren't there all day. But guys, we've been waiting to see for a while now, JT. It's Christian Fulton and Trayvon Wesco. They came oh out God, yesterday. He's alive. I know. He's alive was, and he's he's participating on the field. Doing a doing a massive, massive double take seeing those two guys out there. I mean, Christian Fulton recognized Trayvon Wesco is like, who's that? You know, we've not seen him yet. So it's like, who's that guy? Is he, you know, oh, that's that's Trayvon Wesco. There he is. How about that? Um, D good, nice try. Um so with Wesco, not really anything to say. He's on the team. Congrats. He exists. He's here. Um, he came out, stretched, went back in. Same deal with Christian Fulton. Came out, stretched, went back in uh, to the to the weight room and then ended up coming back out at some point at the end of practice long enough for us to catch him coming off the field. And JT, we've got a couple of clips, one from Christian himself and one from head coach Mike Vrabel on the topic. Um, this first clip, clip eight, is Christian Fulton being asked about Hey, how did how did your OTAs go? You you weren't here. You were with your trainer in Miami doing your own thing. Why and how did that go? And here was his answer. I mean, it was big, you know, just to try new things. I mean, I feel like it's, um, everybody has their own way of doing things, you know, and everything doesn't work for everybody. Uh, you know, I've been here you know, the last two, three off seasons, and you know, I've had you know, great great time on the field, you know, being here. So I just wanted to try a different approach, you know, and see what it. Uh, well, and that's that's the the take that he continued to push is that I'm, I'm I've been here for OTAs before. I've had some soft tissue injuries. I feel like he he seems to have that he thinks he has the soft tissue injury thing figured out. We'll see. Give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, prove it. Here we go. Let's see it. And uh, he mentions the other thing that he was pushing was like I'm just trying something new. Wanted to try to do it a different way because I've done it this way. I want to try something different. And so that's what he chose to do. We asked Coach Vrabel about his star cornerback that uh, there's been for a while now, a perceived shaky relationship between Vrabel and Fulton. We asked him about the repeat offenders con comment and uh, his choice to spend his OTAs period in Miami with his trainer. And here's what head coach Mike Vrabel had to say on Christian Fulton. Couldn't say that that's, you, you stated when you started that five weeks away was time that he hadn't done his best work. Right? I didn't say that. Nobody else said that. That's a personal opinion that I probably don't agree with. Um, but it, it's, you know, I mean, we But it, it's, you know, I mean, we asked every player that you train the way that you're going to play. And when you play a skill position, you, you, you have to run, you have to go and open up and you have to change direction. And it's not five yards, it's whatever you have to come. So there's reactionary movements, D-linemen. There's certain things that are gonna be in the job description. And we ask every player All right, let's cut the clip there. Apologies, everybody. I'm not sure what and the issue is with our clips today. Um, clearly, clearly connection is, is not great, but again, you got the gist of that clip. Hopefully that 
he is kind of walking back a little. I mean, I walking back is strong. It's it's hard at this point, JT, for me to decipher how much of their rocky relationship is media narrative driven and how much of it is tangible. We know the sorry, Logan, we're, we're trying I, the Internet. Sometimes is just technology. It's awesome until it doesn't work. And then it's the worst thing in the world. Right. Um, but with Fulton. It, it seems like Mike is trying to sort of start fresh, give him a fair shake this year. Again, I still don't think barring some miraculous season and dramatic change in the way that he approaches just his personality and relationship with this team and with, with his coach, I don't foresee him being around past this season. I think there is a reality in which he end up ends up leaving this season. Um, via trade, he could definitely be, if there was anybody that was a trade piece on this team right now, it is Christian Fulton in my mind. So he kind of walked back in that statement, a little bit of the, the disconnect from a relationship standpoint, defended his guy a little bit. And, uh, beyond that, uh, just excited to see Christian Fulton at training camp in late July and early August. I think that's going to be interesting to see him out there to see how much he's out there. The last thing on Fulton I'll mention is that he emphasized he has not been injured this offseason and he is not currently injured. So him not being out there for mandatory mini camps, being present, but not being out there had nothing to do with injury. It begs the question, what was he doing? Was he not conditioned up? Was he, um, you know, I honestly don't know what just working in the weight room. I don't know what went into that decision for him not to be out there during mandatory mini camps and really not much at all. But um, that that is the case with Christian Fulton. Before we move on from cornerbacks, Logan in the chat asking if Farley practices at all. No, Farley has not practiced. I've not seen him. I've actually not even gotten confirmation that he's physically here. I don't kind of think that he's not here right now. I'd expect to see him at least back in the building at the end of July. Um, and we'll, we can talk more about it then, but I, I think that he's still dealing with the rehab situation and he, uh, he may very well be here and I just missed that. Um, let's move on to the skill players, JT. Yeah. And a lot of them, as you mentioned, were not there. So it left, yes. um, it, it, it left a lot of room for the rookies to shine. And there were two in particular that you thought stood out, uh, among the rest at this last day of OTAs. Yeah. The first was Tajay Spears. He's really just putting in the work. And I wanted to emphasize and highlight that he is. And, and if people want to get a kind of a feel for Tajay Spears as a person, go back and listen to, I think it was one of the first OTAs. No, you know what? It was, it was rookie mini camp about a month ago when he spoke along with all the other rookies besides Jalen Duncan. Um, and he, his demeanor, he's just very much a, I love to play ball. I'm not, I'm not big into media. I'm not big into like self glorification. I just, I want to learn. I want to get better. I want to play ball. And, um, that, that seems to be his mentality on the field as well. He spent at least 25, 30 minutes after practice on Wednesday on the jugs machine, just practicing catches at different catch points, different angles. Um, and, and he, he, he's put in the work, man. He's I, I've mentioned a number of times. He's going to be utilized a lot in this offense in year one. He's going to bring a pretty electric element to the passing and running game for this team. He's going to be one of those top players. When I talk about positionless ball players on this team and being utilized positionlessly by the uh, offensive coaching staff, he's he and Chig are the number two, number one and number two guys that come to my mind when I talk about that. So look out for him to, to shine. And then I really think at this point, Colton Dowell, the rookie seventh round wide receiver, in my book, he is a lock to make the roster. I mean, I, 98, 99% chance he makes the roster. They just continue to utilize him. They continue to coach him up. They continue to express their faith in him. Mike Vrabel 
whenever they're in individual or um, position group drill period, he's constantly coming over to Colton Dowell and not reprimanding him or correcting him, but like showing personal investment, personal interest in, Hey, let's get this guy coached up. Let me see what I can mold this ball of clay to be. Um, and I, I don't know how else to explain it other than he is on occasion scolding him or being hard on him or, um, correcting him, but it's, it absolutely comes across in a way like I'm doing this because I think that you can be an element for this team. Not a, I'm just trying to get on you cause you suck at football. Like I'm holding you to a higher standard than some of these other scrubs, frankly, that are in the wide receiver room that you're running alongside, especially on Wednesday when you didn't have Traylon Burks out there. Um, I, you know, I'm holding you to a high standard. I'm, I'm pushing to get you better in a hurry. That's kind of how it comes across. And, and he made a number of impressive plays on Wednesday as well. We asked his quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, about Colton Dowell, his growth, how he's seen him change as a player from day one of the offseason program to today. And here in clip six is what Ryan Tannehill had to say on his newest receiver edition. He's done some good things, you know, seeing him grow as a lot of the other rookies have, you know, um, coming in, learning new offense, trying to figure everything out, not just the new offense, but the NFL in general. And, you know, rookies have the worst schedule um, by far of anyone in the building besides the coaching staff. You know, they're, they're here early, they stay late. Um, you know, they're here for another two weeks right after this, you know, so, um, you know, your rookie year is a long year. You're taking in a lot of information on the field stuff, off the field stuff and everything in between navigating, uh, setting boundaries. Like it's, there's a lot that goes into it, right? So uh, being able to navigate all, all those things. But uh, as a rookie class and the guys that we have, I dropped So the, those were Ryan Tannehill's comments on a guy that I think, again, is going to make this team and going to be the fifth or sixth receiver on the roster. And I'm interested to see what they make of him. Yeah, let's move on to uh, one of our favorite topics from these OTAs and, oh, yeah. and the uh, mini camps. It's the specialist and this this kicker uh, battle that is shaping up um, to to come to a to a, come to a head in uh, late July. Right? They start in late July. Well, it'll really August. come to a head in late August. You know, when yeah. they when they cut it down. Um, yeah. So once again, Caleb Shudak versus Trey Wolf. Uh, what did you see from both of them? It was the roughest day of kicking so far that the media has seen while we're out there. Um, Caleb Shudak missed at least one. I think that he missed two. They were going back and forth battling like they were in the last day of mandatory minicamp last week. Um, the one that he missed that I know he missed was from like 34, 35 yards. It was inside 40 yards, so not great. And then he nearly missed a couple of others. Uh, one was a, a doink in, and I think one was a doink out. Um, so not great. Super not great. That happens. You have a rough day sometimes. Uh, Trey Wolf also did not hit all of his right down the middle, but he did make all of his kicks. We are we are a pro Wolf show, or at least I am. We think that Trey Wolf is going to make. I think that he's ultimately going to be their pick to make the team. Jim Wyatt, our guy Jim Wyatt, who who I'm very very fond of, um, he has him charted Trey Wolf. That is at making 36 out of the 39 attempts that we've seen from him at camp so far in, in media availability. And again, he's, he's taken a number more. We don't know the true number in front of the team that he has made and missed, but we do know from what we've seen about 40 kicks and he's made all but three of them. So very good news for him and very good news for all those that are in the wolf pack, uh, such as Dr. Lipschitz in the, in the chat there. Um, so yeah, Trey Wolf, Caleb Shudak will continue to battle into training camp, but I'd say right now it's it's probably leaning Trey Wolf in terms of who has the advantage. 
And then just rounding up our show today, just any other thoughts from these last three rounds of OTAs? Uh, anything else that you found pretty interesting? Yeah, I had two final clips before we get out of here that I wanted to share. One from Mike Vrabel and one from Ryan Tannehill. This first one is from Mike Vrabel talking about the importance of the next couple of weeks for his players as they go from the OTA spring period of the schedule into the uh, training camp portion where things really ramp up in late July. And here's what Mike Vrabel had to say on the importance of the summer. Just in my experience as a player and a coach, and what, what you do away from here, um, when things aren't planned or structured, you know, are you able to get into a routine? So what I wanted to do is, is go prepare for, for a long season, a long, grueling season of professional football. That, that's what I wanted to do. And so we tried to give them drills. We, we extended individual time today so the coaches could review those drills that they can do you know, with their trainer or on their own or whatever they're doing giving them some ideas and then obviously I'm sure they're whoever they're working out with will have some ideas and the player will have some ideas so that, that's what I want them to do but it's the most critical five weeks of, of the season yeah I want to I honestly wanted to share that clip purely just because I found it so interesting that he he started this clip before I was recording and then ended it there at the end talking about how this he feels like in his experience as a player and a coach the next five or six weeks are the most critical portion of the schedule for any football player especially the young guys because it's what they do off the off the field outside of the facility that really dictates what they look like when we get into football season, a very, very long season ahead. This next and final clip is from Ryan Tannehill. He was asked about how, hey, man, the national media has largely written this team off already. It's just June and they have already written them off as an afterthought this season. What are your thoughts on that? How does the confidence in this locker room look as compared to the confidence from fans and media and uh, what what do you guys take away from things like that when you see them? Here is Ryan Tannehill's thoughts on where his team is right now. Every year is different, right? Every year is different. Um, yeah, let's just try it again. I'll say we have a lot of confidence in, in, in ourselves and our ability to go out and compete. And, uh, and ultimately win games. You know, that's why we're, we're out here every day. That's why we um, are here voluntarily throughout the spring. Uh, we're going to push ourselves throughout this summer and, and come out uh, and expect to win games on Sundays. You know, that's the only reason we're here. Uh, only reason we put everything we put into it, mentally, physically, emotionally, uh, is to go out and win games on Sunday. So um, there's a lot of confidence in that locker room, and, and we have to keep pushing that so we'll see at the end of July as this team starts to round into form we get cuts all the way down to 53 and we get through the preseason end of the season JT uh, this team are they the contenders that they think that they can be or are they the team that a lot in the national media think that they are a middling team that's in a the midst of a, a sort of a rebuild right now uh, we'll see. It's going to be interesting to give us plenty to talk about as the, the summer rolls on. And with that, we're going to wrap up the show today. We've got a review to read before we get out of here, though. That is that is a great one. And uh, one that uh, kind of reading our minds a little bit here, JT, from uh, Sir Tim Lee, C-E-R-T-I-M-L-E-E. -E -E. I honestly don't know. I, it's, I think it's Tim Lee would be my guess, but I'm not positive. Um, this was from a couple of days ago. 
Off-season suggestion, it's titled. He said, hey, guys, thanks for making a dry off-season less dry. You're welcome. I have a suggestion for an episode or series for content while we football nerds have to go into our July hibernation. Have you considered doing something akin to an AFC South roundup review? I want to convince myself that I don't have Homer blinders on because I just can't believe the Jaguars are that far ahead of the Titans, according to national media pundits. Maybe a ranking of position groups in the AFC South. Perhaps not the group, but just the starter for positions like quarterback, kicker, punter, etc. I want to be optimistic going into next season because it baffles me how far behind, quote unquote, the Titans are when they were one Ryan Tannehill away from beating the Chiefs, Cowboys and Jaguars, among many other games last season. Thank you for making my day of dissecting eyeballs less monotonous and on a regular basis. Hang on. That last part threw you for a loop. If you're paying attention, he points out he's a scientist. So I think I'm assuming, hoping. These are eyeballs outside of uh, eye sockets for, that are no longer <laughs> belonging to living people or or creatures. Um, but you're welcome. It's it's hilarious to think people are listening to us break down football while they're dissecting eyeballs. Um, but thank you so much for the five star comment, uh, five star review and uh, comment. If you want to leave a five star review, you can get your uh, review read on the show and we will be happy to read whatever you write to us even if you're an eyeball dissector like our guy Mr. Lee here um, so thank you so much for that review and then one last time today's show brought to you by Riverone Leatherworks check them out Leatherworks at gmail.com is where you can reach them or at Riverone underscore Leatherworks on Instagram and by the way our guy Wyatt OKC Titan with Riverone Leatherworks he's doing a giveaway coming up soon on Instagram. So go over to Riverone underscore Leatherworks on Instagram. If you like the show, if you support this show, truly, these are really, really high quality hand crafted leather, um, leather goods that, that you can get essentially anything you can think of to be made of leather for you. I'm almost positive you can commission it, commission it to to have it made and shipped right to your house with whatever leather color you want, whatever whatever stitching color you want. Really fantastic service, and from what we were sent, really high-quality stuff. Reminder, JT, we're no longer on Wednesdays. We're going to do Monday mornings and Friday mornings for the next six or so weeks until we get to training camp, and then from there, we'll adjust the schedule accordingly. But for the next five or six weeks through June, through July, Every Monday morning, every Friday morning is where you can catch the recorded podcast or video show on YouTube. And then we'll do a handful of lives today before the, you know, mostly I think Friday shows will be done Thursday evening as a live like this. But uh, we may do a couple of Sunday shows as well. You never know. So just keep an eye out until Monday when we're back talking about who knows what something interesting. I'm sure I'm your host, Easton Freeze for producer JT. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. Guys, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday.